0: you're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study series in the book of Ephesians. Thank you for joining me, Nathan Johnson, on an in-depth verse-by-verse study of this incredible book by Paul. Now, let's dive into the lesson for today. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Again, we've been walking through this section uh, from verse 1 to verse 10, and uh, today we're wrapping up this little section. Woo, this is exciting. Uh, So next week we'll actually get into uh, the... the final half of chapter 2, which starts in verse 11. Uh, But what I want to do is just kind of, to give some context, I want us to begin reading in verse 4 and to read down through verse 10. Uh, Paul writes, Ephesians chapter 2, again, he's talking about the fact that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but in verse 4 he says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that you or sorry, so that we should walk in them. Uh, look at verse ten again, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we should walk in them. Uh, over the last several sessions we've been talking about this idea that God has radically saved you, and how does he saved you? He says in verse eight. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. So, hey, you, you have no part of this. In fact, verse 9 is really explicit here. Not of works, so that, you, so, that, so that no one should boast. So your salvation is not because of you. Isn't that relaxing? That you had no part in your salvation outside of responding to him. That by faith, you turned toward him and says, God, I, I cannot do this. I, I, I don't have it in my pockets. I don't have the ability. So you're going to have to come in and do the very thing that I cannot do, which is what? And by grace, he has saved you. It is by his ability. It is by his strength. It is by his resource. It is by his Holy Spirit that you have been given salvation. And this is a gift. Again, there's nothing you could do to earn this. Hey, there's no work you can do to, to, to bring this about. Uh, It is by grace. You have been saved through faith, which is just an amazing reality when you think about it. That again, I I have no part in my salvation other than responding, turning to him and responding. Now, in the middle of all that, he says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Now, again, it's going back to this idea that, hey, this, hey, you have no part in your salvation other than responding. And Paul clarifies, here's God who's done all this, uh, this amazing salvific work in your life. Why? Well, we are his workmanship. It's interesting in the Greek, the emphasis, the very first word in in verse 10 is the word his. And what's interesting about Greek is they front load their sentences. In other words, what's most important to to the writer they put on the front end. So this whole, again, in verse 10, the whole emphasis is his. This is his work. This is his, his doing. So what part did I have in, in this? Nothing. You merely receive the benefit of this whole thing. Now, last week we looked at this idea of workmanship. I love this idea for we are his workmanship. Uh, It's the Greek word poiema. That's where we get the word poetry or poem. And the root word of that is poieo, which is this idea of doing something, but you're doing it from the internals of who you are, right? It's mother's day. So you're going to go get your mom a card. There's a difference between going down to Hallmark and getting a card and and you sitting down and writing a letter to mom and from the insides of who you are expressing the realities of how great your mother is. See this word, this poyeo poema idea is the internal expression coming outward. This isn't, Hey, I'll go down to hallmark and get this card. This is, Oh, I'm going to create something from the insides of who I am. Uh, this is the language of an artist. Uh, this isn't barn painting as we talked about last week. This is, Hey, there's an artist that, that I wake up and I'm going to, I'm going to have this masterpiece on a canvas. Well, how, how did you get the masterpiece? I don't know how to describe it. It's the, it's the inside stuff coming on the outside. And what you see in the masterpiece is the, is the inside. I don't know if that made any sense. And Paul says, do you recognize who you are? You are God's workmanship you are his see you weren't an afterthought you weren't a whoops see you weren't a well what are we going to do with you now see you were the inside expression of god coming out in fruition you were the you were the poetry of god to this world that's a phenomenal thought when you think about it in fact the only other place this word is used poema is in romans chapter uh, 1 verse 20 Let's listen to this romans chapter 1 verse 20 says for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are poema, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul says, Do you realize that what you see in creation? Here's God, he makes creation. Woo, this is phenomenal. And in creation, you have the demonstration of the invisible attributes, God's power being demonstrated in creation. Why? Because from the insides of who God is, He created the world. And the world is God's poetry. Isn't that a great thought. You look at creation. Woo, that's God's poetry out there. And just as all the heavens are declaring the glory of God, and just as all creation is screaming about the grandeur of who God is, and, and creation is God's poetry, Paul says, "Do you know what you are? You are that. That in Christ, what God has done inside of you as he's made you this brand new creation is that now you are God's poetry to this world. And he is declaring himself to the world through you. And just as creation is to declare the glory of God, so too your life gets to declare the glory and majesty and wonder of who he is. Now, please stay seated and continue your excitement. But that is phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, just to ponder this idea that, that as great as, as, the, as creation is. And, and hey, if you ever get to travel, man, you look at creation, you're just like, God is so brilliant. I mean, God is so creative. He is so, I mean, the, I, the realities of creation are incredible. And the same thing's true about your life. That you, you have the privilege of being God's poetry to this world. That when someone looks at your life, they should see this anthem, this declaration of who he is. Why? Because we are his poetry. Now that was all review from last week. Now look at the rest of verse 10. Paul says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. We are his poetry. We are his workmanship. And Paul clarifies and says, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Again, it's interesting when you look at the parallels between creation and your life, there's some phenomenal parallels in this idea of creation. We were created in Christ Jesus. And when you look at creation, uh, again, l- listen to Romans 1.20. And I just read this, but for since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. Now listen to what Paul writes in Colossians 1.16 about this whole thing. In Colossians 1.16, Paul says, for by him, and it's actually the Greek word in, which is like in, by, for, it's those kind of words. So it's literally in him or by him, all things were created. It's that same word. So here is, for since the creation, which is a noun, by the way, but for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen and understood by the things that are poemed, Romans 1.20, Paul says, do you realize that all that stuff was created? It's the verb word. Right? It was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, rulers and authorities. Get this, all things, Colossians 1.16, all things were created through him and for him. So you look at creation then. So here is creation, which Paul says, hey, is the poetry of God. And how was creation made? It was created through Jesus for Jesus. It's a cool thought. In fact, that's all over the book of John. Paul's epistles are are replete with that idea that all of creation, how is creation made? It was created through Jesus and for Jesus. Now you take that idea of creation and you come into your life, the exact same thing is taking place. Again, you you have our passage, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Hey, for you are God's poetry, well, how, how is, how's, how's it taking place? I was created in Christ Jesus. Uh, that same word, that same idea shows up in second Corinthians five 17. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you get this idea. I don't, I don't know if this is making sense that there's this neat parallel between here is creation. Well, how is creation made? Well, creation was made through Jesus and for Jesus. And what is creation? Creation is the inside expressed on the outside, and it has become the poetry of God himself. What about you? You have been created through Christ for Christ. That that what God is doing in your life is all through him. In fact, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, so just as he created the, the heavens and the earth, so he has, yes, he created you, but he has recreated you. And how did he recreate you? Through Jesus and for Jesus. And as such, just as creation was through Jesus and for Jesus, it became the poetry of God. So you have been recreated through Jesus and for Jesus and therefore become the poetry of God. is that a neat thought? Okay, let's just move on. <laughs> I think that's neat that I have been recreated in Christ Jesus, that he has, as he's, as as we've been walking through this whole passage, he has taken me from this domain of darkness, from this place of death and destruction. And he has transferred me into the kingdom of his beloved son. And it is in this reality that I am a new creation. And as such, I get to be the poetry of God to this world. So here I am in this brand new creation state And Paul says in our verse that I'm created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works. Now you've got to get a hold of this. It was not good works that brought me to this location. In fact, he's very explicit in verses eight and nine, right? By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works. Paul says, why? So that you cannot boast. So you cannot say, woo, do you know how I got from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? Oh, I did some good deeds. You can't say that. Because <laughs> there is no good work that can get you here. It's only by his work, by his grace. But isn't it interesting? Once you're over here in this new kingdom, good works come out of you. That you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. That word there for four. it's interesting. Uh, it's a different word than we normally think of for. Uh, in other words, uh, for example, in the beginning of verse ten, for we were, or for we are His workmanship. That's a different word than our little word for good works. This word has this idea of upon, or on, and, and it does has this it does have this idea of a uh, a result. In other words, uh, I'm, I've been created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? Oh, for good works. So it has this idea of results. But again, I think it's interesting. That Paul uses this word that actually means upon. It's a preposition, upon. That how, how am I living? I'm literally upon good works. Hold on to that, it'll make more sense in one second. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for upon good works. So you gotta get a hold of this idea. It is not good works that brings about the new relationship in Christ, but it's the new relationship in Christ. That brings about the good works. Uh, I liked what one scholar said. He said, salvation is not by works, but it is for works. Salvation is not by works. It is for works. In other words, how are you saved? It's not by works. It's by the grace of God. It's, it's a gift. But when I have salvation and when I have this new life in Christ, Oh, guess what's going to come out of my life? Good works. So the end result then which is a great way to use that, uh, that idea of the four, right? It's this result thing. What is the result of being in Christ? Good works. Now ponder this. Again, <clears throat> Paul says that this good works, God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. This is not, hey, come a, become a Christian and then go find a whole bunch of good deeds to go do. That's not in this passage. This is not, oh, become a Christian, and then you're going to have to, like, grit your teeth and find good stuff to do. That's not in this passage. This idea is, hey, you are in Christ Jesus, so what is going to just naturally come upon out of your life? Good works. That I'm really being rested, I'm seated, I'm being put in this place of good works. Which is not activity. The good works idea, you got to get a hold of this. this. The good works idea is not deeds. It's not activity kind of stuff. It is that's involved, but it's not come to Christ and then go out and do a whole bunch of good stuff. That's not in, that's not this come to Christ. And in the new lifestyle that you have, God has prepared these works for you. And these works are going to start coming out of your life. Illustration, uh, in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is preaching the phenomenal sermon on the Mount. And uh, in chapter seven, he's getting toward the end of the sermon and he makes this intriguing statement about trees. He says, hey, go look at that tree. You realize, in fact, let me just read this to you. Jesus says, even so, this is Matthew 7, verse 17 and 18. Even so, every tree, every good tree bears, you'll never guess, good fruit. But a bad tree, you'll never guess what a bad tree produces, bad fruit. And Jesus makes a clarification. He says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Isn't that interesting? See, this is not about activity in the sense of, all right, tree, whip up some good goodness, some good fruit. And the tree like grits its teeth and is like, I'm not sure I'm producing good fruit. That's not in the passage. The idea in the passage of Jesus, he's saying, The tree cannot help itself. If the tree, the tree is going to behave according to the nature of the tree. If the tree is is a good tree, guess what kind of fruit it produces? Good. If it's a bad tree, guess what kind of fruit it produces? Bad. Not because it's trying to produce good or bad fruit. It's because it cannot help itself producing the nature that is within it. Hey, you were made for good works. Oh, so I'm, I'm, supposed to go out and do a whole bunch of good deeds. no, well, what am I supposed to do? Live in that lifestyle, live in the position that he has for you. And when you were in that position, guess what's going to come out of you? Good deeds. That it's not go out and find something to do as much as it is remain in the reality of who he is. See, in fact, you can even see this in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. These good works, which you've been created for. God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. That there are these good works. Oh, well, well, when did he come up with the good works? Way before you. Hey, this was before your salvation. In fact, a lot of scholars were even suggesting that the language here that God prepared beforehand is that same kind of language that he uses in verse 4 of chapter 1 where he talks about this idea that he has chosen you before the foundation of the world. That even before he spoke, let there be light, he has already chosen you in Jesus. That's a phenomenal thought. And a lot of scholars say that this idea that these these good works that that have been prepared beforehand, well, when were they prepared? Well, way before. It was was actually prepared in the same choosing before the foundations of the world. Now, whether you want to buy into that or not, that doesn't matter. The idea here, though, is these good works have been prepared before you. So this wasn't like you come to Jesus and God goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to find some good works for you to do. Uh, Dig that hole, fill it in. Dig that hole, fill it in. See, he's not going to keep you busy. These good works have already been prepared. And is it interesting that I don't work in the good works? I walk in the good works. That was a profound thought to me as I was looking at this passage. See, I would presume that, that Paul, what Paul is saying is God has these good works for me. So what am I supposed to do? Go get to work, buddy. Go, yeah, go off and produce this stuff. Yeah, here's, here's a whole checklist of good things that you're supposed to do, so go off and do them. That's not at all in the passage. you got to get a hold of this. Again, this turned my whole, the whole thinking upside down because in my mind, ah, oh, I become a Christian, I do good things. Paul says, that's not your focus. This isn't go find a checklist of all the good and bad things to do and then do and don't do them. See, this is come to Jesus Christ and get into the life of Jesus And just as a good tree cannot help itself, but bear good fruit, guess what? Your life cannot help, but do produce good, good deeds. So again, this is not a checklist thing. This is a life thing. And I don't go work in the good works. They're already there. So what do I do? I walk in them. They've already been set before me They've already been prepared. I just need to live in those good works, which is what that word walk means right? It's not actually physical walking. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lifestyle thing. Now look, look at the comparison of this. This, is, this was interesting to me too. Uh, when you go up back up to chapter two, verse one and two, here I am dead in my sins. Here I am dead in this lifestyle of sin. And how does Paul talk about this lifestyle of death and sin? He says in verse two, in which you formerly walked, So you you get this idea then that the good works and evil works again is not a list of things. The, the list of good and bad things is it's a lifestyle thing that, Hey, that when I am filled with death and darkness and sin, what's going to come out of me, bad work, evil deeds. So are you, are you trying to produce evil deeds? Maybe not, but I can't help myself. That's the nature of this lifestyle. So when I get brought into the kingdom of of Jesus and the reality that, Hey, he has saved me by grace through faith. Well, what's going to come out of my life? Well, you better shut that stuff down, grit your teeth and pull off good works. No live in the reality of what he is doing and what's going to come out of you. You have this new nature inside of you. And just like a good tree cannot help, but produce good fruit. Guess what? Your life can't help, but produce good works. And there's this idea in the passage where you just can't help yourself that you just, you get, just, you've got to respond out of good works because of the nature stuff within you. I just think that's neat. Now, I don't know if you're asking this question, but I've been wrestling for a long time. So what are the good works? Like, give me something practical. Now, before we get there, I'm going to make this worse. <laughs> this idea of good works for whatever reason, I am probably I just missed it. This idea of good works shows up all over the New Testament. That we are consistently told that as believers, we are called to do good or to do good works. So I'm just going to give you a whole list of these. This is not the whole list. I just want you to hear the whole tone of scripture. So just, just sit back and listen to all this. First Thessalonians 5.15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. We are called to do good. Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Second Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Second Corinthians nine, eight, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Colossians one, 10, So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Second Thessalonians two verses 16 through 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, our God, the, and God, our father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. First Timothy six seventeen through 18. As for the rich in this present age, by the way, do you know who the rich in this present age are us <laughs> for clarity's sake? As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty not to set their hopes on, on on the uncertainty of riches but upon God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy they are to do good to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share he says hey if you are rich in this present age and by the way if you make more than a couple hundred dollars a month you are rich in this present age say so, hey, if you are rich in this present age paul says hey don't get wrapped up in the riches be rich in good works. It's a fun little play on words. Titus 2, 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. Titus two fourteen, Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Titus 3, 8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to 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 devote themselves to good works, Hebrews ten twenty four. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. You just start hearing this tone of, I am made for good works. I am to do good. I am made for good works. I am to do good. So you got to get a hold of this idea. It is not the good works that brings you into the kingdom of God. But when you are brought into the kingdom of God, you just cannot help yourself but do good works. That's the emphasis. So what are the good works? Well, if you want to understand the good works, you probably need to look at the opposite. So flip back a couple pages. If you have your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. And this is interesting. Paul gives you the works, the deeds of the flesh. So hey, if you want to know what, The, the good work is it's none of this stuff (laughs) because this is the works of sin. Uh, Galatians chapter five, verse 19. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Hey, these are clear folks. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I warn you, as as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what are good deeds? Obviously none of that stuff because that's the works of the flesh. So hey, anytime I live in sin, anytime I live in the flesh, that is not a good work. And I'm not made for that. In fact, that's what he's redeemed me from. So then you have to ask the question, well, okay, so if, if I... If I don't do any of that stuff and I just do all the opposite, that's good works. No. That's what drove me crazy. Romans 14, verse 23. This just kills me. Romans 14, verse 23. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So, Paul, you're telling me that even if it's good... If it is not proceeding from faith, it's still bad. Uh Uh-huh. Doesn't that just tick you off? Because the reality is as a Christian, I just, you know how nice it would be as a Christian just to have a list of do's and don'ts and I would do the things I'm supposed to do and I'd not do the things I'm not supposed to do and I could relax and you know, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. In fact, if you go out and find all the right things to do and do them, you will still die and go to hell because it's not about do's and don'ts. So you're telling me that sin is always bad and it's always evil. And those are always bad works. Correct. But if I do all the good stuff, you're telling me that doesn't mean it's a good work. Correct. That drives me crazy. Well, then how do I know if it's a good work or not? See see preaching preaching's a good thing. Amen. Prayer is a good thing. Amen. Right? Bible study is a good thing. That's right. But you realize that they may not actually be good works. I mean they're good. God can use them. Praise the Lord. But that actually doesn't necessarily qualify you for the good works mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 2, the good works. That you are made for good works. Which is, again, it's not a list of do's and don'ts stuff. Hey, you are made for good works, meaning what? You are made for a lifestyle. Well, what's the lifestyle? Faith. What's the lifestyle? If you want one word, love. How am I supposed to function? In faith. That anytime I turn within myself and I try to produce something out of myself, that's a dead work. Because I'm not living in faith, therefore it's sin. So preaching, while preaching is great, phenomenal, praise the Lord for preaching. Preaching can actually be a bad work. It can actually be sin in my life. Hey, when I come up in my arrogance and I say, hey, I got this thing figured out. And Jesus, why don't you set this one aside and I'll I'll just preach. Then I'm preaching out of my own resource, out of my own intellect. Which means for me, though God may use the preaching, that for me is sin. Because hey, whatever is not done in faith is sin. Hey, we gather in a prayer meeting. Hey, we love prayer meetings. But hey, if you gather in a prayer meeting and your whole reason you're praying is to get people to draw their attention to you and how great your prayer life is and, and your eloquence of your words. And do you know what that is? That's called pride. So even though you're praying and praying is good, that for you is actually sin. So Christianity then is not do's and don'ts stuff. Christianity is, is the motive. It's the source. It's the lifestyle thing. Is that making sense? And when I have the lifestyle of, 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 of him, what's going to come out of me? Good works. So whatever is coming out of my life then is going to be good works. Now we're not talking sin stuff. God is never going to produce sin in your life. God is never going to say, you know what you should do? Commit adultery. Yeah, just do it this time. See, that's not, the spirit of God will never cause you to do that. The spirit of God is never going to cause you to lie or to murder or to be prideful. That that's not his nature. But, hey, when I'm living in him, again, I don't have to worry about a list of things that are good works. I need to live in him. And what happens when I live in him is he's going to be producing this stuff. In fact, if you have your Galatians passage, look a couple of verses down later in verses 23, 22 and verse 23. Paul says that the fruit, and it's not the word, but if we could put the word work in there, it actually makes sense. Because, hey, the works of the flesh are evident and gives a whole list. But, hey, the works of the spirit in your life is evident. Hey, the fruit of the spirit of God in your life is evident. Well, what is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. So, hey, if you are in the reality of him in his kingdom, what is he going to start producing out of your life? Himself. It's a lifestyle thing. It's not deeds. It's not activities, though those are included. It's, It's life stuff. And again, if you want one word to describe the good deeds I like the word love that everything that is, that should be coming out of my life. Everything that should be coming out of my mouth should be dripping with love. How do they know that we're Christians by our love? In fact, here's just a couple of the verses. Galatians five, six. Oh, this is good. Galatians five, six says for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision uncir- counts for anything. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Paul says, hey, it's not about the Jew and the Gentile thing anymore. Hey, what is is this all about? Faith working through love. That that I live in this posture, in this lifestyle of Jesus, I I need you. Jesus, hey, you're going to have to produce this through me. Jesus, you've got to be the source of my life. Jesus, you're going to have to speak through my lips. Jesus, hey, I I don't have it within me to live the life you're calling me to live. So somehow could you do in me the very thing I cannot do? And I'm going to live by faith in love. 1 Corinthians 16:14. We should memorize this one. 1 Corinthians 16:14. Let all that you do be done in love. Why? Cuz you're in a brand new kingdom. That when I'm in this new reality called Jesus, what should be the natural outflow of my life? Love. Because he is love. This is not deeds. This is not activities. This is not list of do's and don'ts though. Hey, that stuff's included, but that's not the focus. What's the focus Jesus. And when he is the focus, when he's the center, when he's the delight, good works are just naturally going to come out of my life. Just as a good tree cannot help itself, but produce good fruit and a bad tree cannot help itself produce bad fruit because the nature within you within it, if I am in Jesus and he is in me, what is it going to do in my life? Good works. Which are what? Love stuff. Now, you can't define that. This is not a, well, give me five things to do. I can't. Because this this is going to infect and affect every area of your life. This isn't, find these five things to do and and you'll be a good Christian. You you don't get that in scripture. It's, get in Jesus and he's going to affect every area of your life. So everything I talk about should be wrapped up in love. Everything I do should be centered on the activity of love. That the essence of how I treat the world around me should be centered on love. That, hey, that when we come together as the body of Christ, what should be the defining characteristic? Love. Why? Because that's what he's producing in and out of us. And you were made for good works. You were made for this. That's interesting. That word for good uh, can mean useful, good, joyful, excellent, honorable, honorable. In other words, this idea is, when you get in Jesus, you know what he's going to start doing in and out of you? He's going to start producing the good, useful, excellent, honorable stuff. Which is what? Love. Now this isn't, go find a good deed for the day and relax the rest of the day. This is the continual lifestyle of a Christian is good works. How do you function every moment of every single day? Good works. How do I treat my family at night when I'm really tired? Good works. How do I treat the body of Christ? Good works. How do I treat my neighbors? Good works. Because it's all done in love. It's the lifestyle of a Christian. So again, it's not that you did good works to get you in, He did all the work. But once you're in, what's going to come out of you? Him. I just think it's awesome. Now, one other point here. You've got to get a hold of this idea that you are not to focus on the good works. That's not the focus of a Christian. The moment I turn my gaze to the good works, I'm going to miss Jesus. Hey, when when my whole life is wrapped up, okay, how am I going to produce good works? And how am I going to show love? And how am I going to pull this off? And, And how's this going to be? What I'm going to find is my mind and my life is going to be so wrapped up in doing the good works that the very source of the good works is going to be forgotten. But it's interesting, the moment I focus on Jesus and I go after Jesus, good works will come out. Does that make any sense? In other words, if I go after the good works, there's a good chance that I'm going to try to, in my own ability, produce the good works, which I can't because I need him because even the good works is by grace. But if I go after the good works and I attempt my good works, I'm going to miss Jesus. But if I would just go crazy after Jesus, who is the essence of this whole thing, then he's just naturally going to be producing this thing out of my life. So don't get wrapped up in the good works. Get wrapped up in the one whose goodness is producing the works. Jesus. I love Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you. He's the one working in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, this is not you trying to accomplish good works. This is, hey, would you relax and just rest in his provision? Hey, would you rest in what he is doing in you? Hey, would you relax in just his functioning in your life? Well, what if there's bad things going on in my life? What if I'm going through hardship? He'll use even that stuff. Listen to this, Romans 8.28. You know the passage, but listen to this from fresh. We know that all things work together for good. To those who love God who, and those who are called according to his purpose. You realize that he's going to even take your junk. And all the stuff that happens to you and and all the trials and all the circumstances and even all the mistakes you make, he's going to use all that stuff for good. Why? Because you're, you're in this lifestyle, you're in this position in Jesus. So get the whole flow, get this whole progression of this passage. Hey, you are saved by grace through faith. Hey, this is not of you. Hey, you did not earn this. This was not of works. Hey, you did not produce this. This was a gift. You cannot boast except in Jesus Christ. And hey, you are God's poema. You are his poetry to the word. You, world. You have been created in Christ Jesus so that he can demonstrate and declare himself to the world. And as I'm created in Christ Jesus, in this new reality, as a new creation, what is going to flow out of my life? Good works. Which are not deeds and activities. It's him. It's his life. It's his nature. It's, it's love itself is going to be flowing through you and I'm just to walk in that reality, Paul says. I've been pondering, and I don't know how far to push this. I've been pondering a, a way to phrase this. I like it a lot, and I don't know how, again, I don't know how far to push this. Do you know what you and I are called to be? <laughs> Cracking me up already. We are called to be a dorcas. That's awesome. We actually, one of the ladies who's come through our program is named Dorcas. I was like, you have the coolest name. I really love that name. In Acts 9.36, Dorcas is mentioned. And listen to how Dorcas is described. Her name just cracks me up. Uh, Acts 9.36. Luke records, now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. So her name's Tabitha, but means Dorcas. Now, listen to how how she's defined. Listen to how her character is seen here. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Wouldn't it be interesting if we became a Dorcas and our lives were defined by full of good works and acts of charity? Oh, so she did a whole bunch of deeds. Get off the deed thing. This is lifestyle stuff. Would you get wrapped up in the reality of him? as you get wrapped up in the reality of him, he, everything that's going to start coming out of your life should be good deeds. Why? Because he's brought you out of sin. So sh- sin should no longer have a place within us. But as I'm resting and remaining in Jesus, what comes out of my life is him. It's his life. It's his love. It's his truth. It's his. Why? Because he's, I, it's like I, I'm, a, I'm a branch. Now grafted into a vine. And the life of the vine is throwing, flowing through the branch. Yeah, the branch is going to produce fruit. But that's not the focus. It's the life of the vine. Hey, your life is going to produce fruit, but don't get wrapped up in the fruit. Get wrapped up in the one that is producing the fruit. So here's some application questions for us. Number one, how much of our Christian life is a have to rather than the natural outflow of his life and love? I feel like so often in the church, we're we're so wrapped up in the, the list of do's and don'ts and we're so la- wrapped up in all right, I'll do this and I'll do this and I won't do this and I won't do this. And we miss the whole essence of the whole thing itself, which is Jesus. See, see how much of my, my Christian life is a have to, how, how much, well, I better pray today. Oh, I better read my Bible today. Oh, I better evangelize. Well, I better not murder. <laughs> you know, It's like we have these lists of things that we should and should not do, but we're missing the essence of life itself, which is him. Hey, if that's true in your life, will you get off the do's and don'ts and get, in, get wrapped up in Jesus? Hey, would you throw yourself at the foot of the cross afresh and say, Jesus, this is not about what I need to accomplish because, hey, the best I can pull off is filthy rags. So, hey, I just surrender myself and would you do and accomplish something in and through me where I am your poetry and the good works that you have already prepared. I just begin to walk in that reality. Maybe a second question is, Does the world even see our good works? And if they do see our good works, who gets the credit for it? On that Sermon on the Mount passage in Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, he has done something in your life. Now, would you live in that reality? Would you allow his light to shine forth from you so that when people look at your life, they do not see your life, they see him, and therefore it gives him glory. See, this is about him and his activity and his flow and his light and his work in and through us. And maybe to be cheeky, uh, would you be willing to be a Dorcas? I <laughs> just love that. Would you be willing to be a Dorcas in our generation who is known for good works and full of charity, that, that you are known for the life of Jesus? Paul says you are God's poetry. Have you been recreated, a new creation in Christ Jesus, made for these good works which God has already prepared for you. You don't have to go find the good works. You don't have to produce the good works. You don't have to grit your teeth to pull off the good works. Just walk in the good works. And as long as I live in Jesus, it's going to be the natural alpha of my life. It's going to be the continual reality of who I am. In fact, Hey, if you're living like that, we're going to have to call you a Christian. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, it still mind boggles me that we are your poetry to this world. Lord, could you somehow get it in my, my thick skull <clears throat> that what you have made me for is not do's and don'ts. You're not made me for just trying to accomplish some activity. You have made me to sit smack dab in the middle of Jesus to be a branch who abides in the vine, who refuses to depart from the life source, Jesus himself. And Lord, as the life-giving sap flows from the vine into the branch, it cannot help but produce good fruit. So yes, Lord, produce good fruit, these these good works in our lives. But Lord, let that not be our focus. Let our focus be the clinging to the vine. Hey, let our focus be the grabbing a hold of, of the life of Jesus and not letting go. Hey, let our whole consumption be you. And, as, and as, we're, as we're living in you, as you are in us and we are in you, Jesus, would you produce these good works? You've already prepared them. Hey, they're already sitting there. So in, in obedience and response, can we begin to walk in the reality of these good works, which ultimately is just defined by love? Hey, Lord, would you bring conviction in our heart of any place where what is coming out of our lips or out of our lives is not of love? Those frustrating statements, that, that, that internal turmoil, the, the, the spouts of anger, the, the envy, the pride, the arrogance, the sexual impurity, the whatever it may be, Lord, I pray, would you purge anything and everything of the flesh? Lord, even the good things, quote unquote, in our lives, if they are not done sourced by you, if they're not done in faith, then they are sin. So Lord, would you, would you change even that stuff? Would you change our motive for why we pray and why we preach and why we evangelize and that, that it's not about us, it's about you. Lord, what would it look like in this generation if we had a whole bunch of believers who began to recognize that good works is supposed to be the natural outflow of our lives? Not because we're gritting our teeth, pulling off good works, just like a good tree doesn't grit its teeth and pull off good fruit. But Lord, what would it look like if just the natural reality of what came out of our lives was Good works. Because it was all done in faith. It was all motivated by love. So Lord, I pray that whatever happens in our lives, may it be done in love. Hey, even if we have to bring correction to somebody, may it be done in love. And Lord, I'm convinced the only way we're we're ever going to pull this off, hey, the only way I'm ever going to showcase love to this world is when I have love himself living and dwelling inside of my life. Lord, it's only when you, who are love, hey, you, who are love, has to come and produce this in my life. That I've got to not just be saved by your grace, I've got to live by your grace. Because Jesus, ultimately, if I try to live by myself, out of my own resource, out of my own wisdom, out of my own talent, it just becomes dead works. So Lord, I just confess afresh this morning that I need you. What I realize, is it's not practical in the sense of five things we need to leave here and go do. It's Ultimately, I need to leave here and have you to hold tighter to you than ever before. To press into you more than ever before to allow you to bring conviction in my areas of my life, to walk in greater obedience in response to who you are. Lord, would you showcase yourself through your people? May we once again truly be a demonstration of your poetry, of your life, of your love, of your truth to this world. Lord, we need you. Lord, thank you that we have such a, possibility of living. Just give you the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you'd like to view the video version of this study, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. No, I am cheering you on as you build your life around and upon Jesus Christ. See you next time.